Amen. Amen. Let's take out our Bibles. I'm excited about the word tonight. Come on, give Jesus some praise if you're excited about the word tonight. Amen. Yeah. Psalms 139. Everybody say Psalms 139. This is one of my favorite Psalms in the Bible. If you're not familiar with the book of Psalms, this is uh, King David. He, he normally wrote the Psalms and they're, they're pretty much songs to the Lord. Um, they're love songs, they're prayers. Sometimes there's times where, um, you know, he really is very vulnerable to the Lord in these songs, and sometimes that's okay. For those that are not familiar, uh, we've been doing a series called Dangerous Prayers. Everybody say Dangerous Prayers. Dangerous prayers. And some of you might be wondering, what are dangerous prayers? Well, last week we talked about a prayer that says, God, break me. God, break me. And if you weren't here, um, let me explain what we talked about last week. So many times we think that when we're broken before God, we think that's being emotional, right? We think, man, I'm, I'm a broken vessel before God because every time I feel God's presence, every time I sing a song, every time I pray, I start to cry. And because I start to cry, I am a broken vessel. But the truth is, is that you can cry tears for hours and never be a broken person before God. Because biblical, a biblical definition of being broken before God is a person that surrenders their entire life to God. And so we took out the scripture where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he prayed three times. Right? If you were here at Easter, we talked about it. Where Jesus prayed three times, God, can this cup pass from me? Is there another way that I can fulfill my calling? A lot of people think that he prayed that once. No, he prayed that three times. What does that mean? That means Jesus really didn't want to die the way he died. Some of us don't know that. Some of us think that he went to the cross with a smile on his face. My friend, he didn't. Before he went to the cross, he prayed three times to God, God, is there another way for me to do this. He ended up saying his most famous prayer probably that we all know, not my will, but what? Your will be done. And so we concluded the sermon last week sharing that that should be our prayer. A person that constantly is telling God, God, I don't want to do it like this. I don't want to do life like this. But if your word is telling me to do it that way, not my will, your will be done. That is a prayer of brokenness. That is a prayer that says, God, break me. God, break me. When we're broken before God, that's when God fully takes control of our lives. When we're actually broken before God, we're telling God, not my will, your will be done. Not the way I want to do it, the way you want me to do it. Not the way I think is best, but the way your word says is best. God, break me. Today we're going to be talking about God, search me. Everybody say that. God, search me. Now, I don't know about you, but um, anytime you go to the doctor, you're assuming that the person that walks in through the, to the office is a certified, educated doctor, right? You're assuming that, right? 
Because you really don't walk in and start asking for credentials, do you? Absolutely not. You don't walk in. You take it. You take it for granted that it says Doctor So and So. But you know, honestly, I could buy a sign that says Doctor So and So. Does that make sense? So we walk into the office, assuming, putting faith that what that sign is saying, what that doctor is saying, is absolutely true. Now there is ways online. Thank God for the internet. To find out if this person is legit. So praise God for that. And most of the time, if the person is not legit, thank God that we have a government that they'll find out pretty quickly and shut them down. Right? But can I tell you something? I promise you that if you ran uh, into a person down the street and said that they were a doctor and they said, now, whatever your doctor is charging you for your regular visits, I'll charge you half if you just come to my living room. You know, I got it all set up. You know, I got, you know, medical beds there. I got needles if you need it. All you got to do is just come to my house. You know, it's, you know, I'm a doctor. Don't worry about it. Just come. Now, let me tell you, would you be okay with that person searching you? Raise up your hand if you'd be okay with that person searching you. No, you better not be. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because so many times we think, oh, this is a cheaper route. I'm trusting what this person says. But girl, you need some credentials. Dude, you need to find out if this person went to school at least eight years. You have to find out if he was certified by a legit organization that licenses doctors. So here we see in Psalms 139, right? Verse 23, David, after he said a whole bunch of things, and we're going to go through that before we get into the main points, he, he talks about God. And so many times, we allow other people to search our lives. We allow other people to investigate our lives and we've never even uh, seen if they're legit. But when it comes down to God searching our lives, we probably, for this whole year, have never asked God, God, search me. We probably have never told Jesus, is there anything within my life that does not glorify you? Jesus, search me. We're going to, in this message, we're going to find out probably the reason why we don't ask God to search us. But here it is, Psalms 139, verse 23. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. How many have some anxious thoughts? Come on, I do. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Father, I pray, Father God, that your word will penetrate our lives. And I pray that you will touch us in an amazing way. That touch the people that are watching online that may be sick, that may be on their way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, David here, if you read the whole Psalms 139, like I said when I first opened, that Psalms 139 is probably one of my favorite Psalms because he goes into great detail about who God is. And one of the things, we're not, we're not going to read the whole thing, but from verse 1 through 6, we begin to see David describing Jesus. Actually, he begins to describe God in the Old Testament. He says this, the first thing that he, tell, he tells us about God is that God knows us 
intimately. God knows us intimately. So we cannot deceive him. Come on, somebody. You know, in conversations with a person, the, if you don't know the person, the person can literally deceive you. How many have ever been misled? Come on. We've all been there. Sometimes when we're having conversations with people, have you ever had that thought in the back of your mind that, man, is this person telling me the truth? Or are they just making this stuff up? Are they playing games with me? How many ever had that thought? Amen. We've all had that thought. But you know, when it comes to God and you're talking to God, you can be assured that God knows you. You can't play games with God. You can't try to fake it with God. God knows us intimately. He knows the things that really bother you. He knows the things that you are weak in. He knows you better than you know yourself. And some of us think we know ourselves. But he knows us intimately. You know, the other thing that he talks about is God is with us consistently. We cannot escape him. You know, in that psalm, David is saying, you know, if I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I go to the highest heavens, he's there. Let me paraphrase. Wherever I go, I could be going through the worst season in my life. God is there. I could be in the worst place that I shouldn't be at. God's still there. That is the beauty of God's love. If you call him your savior, if you call him your God, he is always with you. And you know, the beautiful thing about it is that it doesn't require our faithfulness because Jesus is faithful even when we're unfaithful. And somebody say amen. Now, who in your life is that consistent? Who in your life that you know sticks that close to you is that consistent inside of your life? I would agree with you if you said nobody because I can say the same exact thing. Nobody is as consistent as Jesus is in your life. You can't escape him. He is always around. Some of us know that very well because when we try to ignore him, he's always reminding us that he's there. Whether it's a billboard, whether we're driving down the street, we're about to do something we're not supposed to do, and then all of a sudden, a Christian song comes out, and all of a sudden, he reminds you that he's there. Right? Next thing is, God has made us in a wonderful way. Do you know that? The Bible says that before you were even thought of, before you were even conceived, before you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. He knew everything that was going to happen inside of your life. And guess what? Everything that I've been through and everything that you've been through, God has been there. Some of us, we probably have gone through some serious stuff like me. I've gone through some serious stuff in my life. I literally almost lost my life. Literally. I was paralyzed, could not walk. And in the, the hardest moments inside of your life, you wonder, where is God? 
And I remember in the bed, in that hospital bed, when I was crying out to God and asking him, God, where are you? Am I going to stay like this? And I could hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking to my life. And he begins to say, do you trust me? That just tells me that he was always there. And that he still had a plan for my life. God, don't make mistakes. If he formed you the way he formed you, the Bible says that you are uniquely and wonderfully made. Your personality was made that way because God wants to use your personality. The gift things that you have, and every single one of us, if we have, if we've given our lives to Jesus, you have a gift. You have a calling. You have a destiny. And all that was packaged before your parents even knew you. Your parents might say, man, you were an accident, but my friend, you were not an accident to God because you were made fearfully and wonderfully made. And somebody say amen. So the first thing that I want to talk about is what David said. And he says, search me and know my heart. Now, have you ever heard somebody that says, man, you know what? That person got issues, but they have a good heart. How many ever heard that? How many actually ever believe that? Because the truth is, the Bible says that none of our hearts are good. Did you know that? In the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says this. Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, The human heart, your heart, my heart, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things. Now think about all things. Think about the most deceptive thing in this world. The Bible says that the human heart is the most deceitful thing. Right? It says, and desperately wicked. Who can really know how bad it is? So when we say, oh, you know, that person has issues and stuff like that, but they have a good heart. Not, that, not if they, have, they don't have Jesus. The only person that gave me a good heart was when I gave my life to Jesus and he changed my heart. That's the only way. Because biblically speaking, the Bible says that our heart is deceitful. Right? But the Bible says that David says, God, search my heart. Know exactly what is going on in there. How many of us have ever prayed that? God, search my heart. Some of us, the reason why we're afraid of praying that, because guess what? It is a very dangerous prayer, isn't it? Because you're afraid sometimes, and I know this is, I'm, speak, I'm speaking for myself. If I tell God, God, search my heart, I'm afraid what's really in there. Because before I gave my life to Jesus, I was not a good dude. I thought I was. But man, you know what? The closer you become to Jesus, the closer he becomes, uh, he gets closer to your life, the more you see who you really are compared to him. Now, if I compare myself to somebody else, I can say, you know what? I'm pretty good. You know, this dude is jacked up. Like, I'm pretty good compared to him. You know what I'm saying? It's like the story that we talked about last week. The Pharisee and the tax collector. The tax collector was like, Father, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this dude. He's a sinner. A filthy, filthy sinner. I thank God that I'm not like that. Some of us, 
you know, if we allow God to search our hearts, that might come out. You might think you're better than you really are. But it's like Isaiah. Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, he was a prophet of God. He says, when he began, he got into the temple of God and the glory of God was there, and it began to touch his life, he began to tell God, God, I am a man of unclean lips. Can I tell you something? That when you begin to realize how messed up you are, if you don't have Jesus inside of your life, my friend, that's how you know you're getting closer to him. When you think you're all that, that's how you know you're getting farther from him. Because anybody that gets close to him begins to see themselves how they really are. And let me tell you something. The closer you get to Jesus, the more holier he looks and the more wicked we feel. And some of you might be thinking, man, that's contrary to what I was taught. Well, I thought I was going to feel happy. And you are. Because when you begin to realize who you really are, you don't have to fake it no more. Right? You don't have to fake who you are. You don't have to fake like you're good. If you know the Bible, don't know you're not good. Right? If you look at me, just because I have a mic and a Bible right here and I'm able to preach the gospel, right? you might think, man, that dude, that dude is holy. Only because of Jesus. Only because of Jesus I'm able to have the kind of heart that I have. Only because of Jesus changed my life. I'm able to think the way I think. But if I didn't have Jesus, you wouldn't want to know me. You really wouldn't. I promise you, ask my mom. Ask my family. They know. You wouldn't want to know me. I was not a good dude. But what, what, what happens is when you begin to ask God, search me. You know, you don't ask God to search you because he doesn't know what's in there. My friend, he knows what's in your heart. You ask God, search me so he can reveal to you what's in there. Amen? So we ask God to search our heart. The next thing that we ask God to search our minds. Right? The Bible says this, those that live according to the flesh, Romans 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 5, it says those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the, on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. What does that mean? Well, the Bible says, hey, those things that you have your mind on are, are, are from the flesh. That means everything that is contrary to the Word of God. You're basically asking God, God, search me and find out anything that is contrary to your Word. And what are you saying? You're saying, God, remove it. God, remove it. God, I don't want to live a life that is fleshy. I don't want to live a life that is not genuinely walking before you. God, search me and know everything about me. Do you know that when we walk in the flesh, the Bible says this. It says that we become hostile to God. You know what hostile means? It means we oppose him. It means that we're unfriendly to him. It means that we're aggressive against him. Can you imagine pushing God? How many ever been uh, had somebody be aggressive with you, verbally, physically? Now you you tell me. Can you imagine doing that to God? 
The Bible says this, when you begin to have a mindset of the flesh, when you begin to live contrary to the word of God, you are literally pushing God back. What a picture, isn't it? And so many of us, we're like, God is gracious. Yes, he is gracious. But while he's being gracious, we have to be doing something to him for him to be gracious. Let me explain. Have you ever been nice to somebody and they were mean and then you kind of like forgot about it? You'd be like, oh, probably having a bad day. And then they do it again and you'd be like, ah, probably something happened before they got to work. Right? The reason why you're being gracious is because they did something. The reason why we believe that God is so gracious is because we continue to oppose him. Does that make sense? And the fact that we are opposing him, we need his grace. But my friend, if you continue to live that way, you are living contrary to the word of God. But the Bible says this, the mind of the spirit is a mind that thinks about those things that are in the word of God. The mind of the spirit, it leads to life and peace. Everybody say that. Life, it leads to life and peace. So that means when you're living in the flesh, it leads to death. And some of you will be like, man, am I going to die physically? No. But your desire that you have right now for God will die eventually. You know that desire that you have right now to do God's will? If, you continue, if we continue to live contrary to the word of God, that will eventually die. And I don't know about you, but I need God. I need his blessing. I need his protection. I need his peace. Because I don't know, I'd be going through some stuff. I'd be having some anxious thoughts. And if it wasn't from the Holy Spirit being upon my life, I wouldn't even know peace. Some of you are there. Some of you are sitting there, and some of you are watching me online, and the reason why you don't know peace is because you are opposing. You are living hostile against God. But there's hope. There's absolutely hope for anybody that is living in that situation today. The hope is that you could humble yourself before God and ask Him, God, search my heart and mind. Search me and know my thoughts. Do you know that you could you could actually stop God from moving upon your life? The Bible says. This in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, do not quench the spirit. You know what quench means? It means to turn away God's spirit. That's like God saying, here's my spirit. And you're like, ah, I don't need that. Now, I know these words are pretty harsh. Not harsh, but they're strong. Right? They're strong. This is why the series is called Dangerous Prayers. Because it's a dangerous thing, right? It's also even a dangerous thing for me to preach this. Because I know it's uncomfortable. I put the message together, it made me uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're feeling convicted, can you imagine me? I'm typing away, I'm like, oof. I don't know if I can say that because, you know, I'm dealing with some issues. Right? I know it's convicting you because it convicted me. Right? But that's a good place to be. I was telling somebody the other day that it is a good place to live uncomfortable. 
It's the difference between good and great. Good people, they do great, they, they do good things, but they have a little bit of comfort inside of their life. Great people, people that are impacting people's lives and doing great things, they live in an uncomfortable life. You think about rich people. Wake up early in the morning, they go to sleep late. That's uncomfortable. Right? You think of people that are constantly giving of themselves year after year, all hours of the day, to the point sometimes they're not even spending time with their family. They're doing great things, living in an, an uncomfortable life. Things that are people that are successful and people that are moving the needle, right? Towards their purpose and their destiny. You don't get to that place without being uncomfortable. Sometimes you get so uncomfortable that you have to leave certain relationships and you have to leave certain places. And sometimes you have to leave certain mindsets and certain perspectives. You have to get uncomfortable so you can get to your place. So a message like this obviously is going to be uncomfortable. But the reason why God wants us to hear it is because he's trying to move us from good to great, to not effective, to being so effective, to being broke, to having some money in your pocket so that now not only are you able to bless your family, but you are able to bless everybody around you. You know what the Bible calls it? You become blessed to be a blessing. But you have to live uncomfortable. You know, if every time I came on Sunday, I was talking about blessing and all that stuff, you'll never get there. You'll never get there. Because we've never learned how to live uncomfortable. We've never learned how to pray dangerous prayers. We've never learned to say, God, break anything that is contrary to your will. God, search my life and take out anything that's not pleasing inside Amen? Second thing he says, God, find anything offensive inside of me. Did you know you could offend God? I didn't. Did you know that certain mindsets and certain things that we do could literally offend God? And this is where you have to get to a place that saying this, God, show me anything that is offensive. That, that's not a dangerous prayer. That's a real dangerous prayer. Because now you are positioning yourself for God to put a mirror in front of you and says, I thank God you told me that. I thank God you asked me that. Because this stuff that you're doing right here literally offends me. I guess I could just picture Jesus saying, I say that in love. Right? But see, you know, this, this right here, it, it'll make somebody that, that is not really serving Jesus wholeheartedly, it'll, it'll really make you uncomfortable. Because now you're finding out that there's certain things inside of your life that could be offending God. And I don't know about you, but when somebody offends me, I don't want to talk to that person. Right? And you know, if you study the, the description and the personality of God, or especially the Holy Spirit... You know, he's, he's, he's sensitive. And sometimes we don't notice that. That's why he comes down like a dove. I mean, know that story where Jesus is being baptized and the heavens open and God the Father speaks and he says, this is my son. And then the spirit comes down like a dove. I promise you, if you run, 
If you run after a dove, it's not going to stay there and look at you. It's going to fly away, and it gives you the personality of the Holy Spirit. But so many times, we sit there, and we totally disregard some of the things that we're doing that might be offending to God. I don't know about you, but there, there's times where I, I was joking around, and I ended up offending the person. Have you, have you ever been there? Like, I didn't even know. And you know why you don't know? Because the person starts laughing like it's funny. Right? And then they come up to you, they come up to you or send you a text now or DM and say, yo, you, you offended me. Like, why did you do that? Like, what? What are my intentions? I'm just joking around. Apologize. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes God does that. Sometimes when we're saying stuff and living a certain way, we, we have that feeling like that. Something. something. I must have did something. I don't know what it is. Have you ever been there? Something ain't right. That's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, bro, you offended me. I don't know about you, but if God himself would come up to me and tell me, you offended me, I promise you, I'll collapse. Because that's love. That's something I, I never want to offend God. I don't know about you. God is the only one that's taking me places or taking me out of places that the closest people to me couldn't take me out of. God is the only one that when I thought I was going to go crazy, Get me sane. I don't know about you, but when everything did not work, it was only God that could take me, take me out of the situation that I was in. So the last person that I would ever want to offend is God. It's just like that Psalms says, you know, I can make my bed in hell. First of all, who would make a bed in hell? Right? But guess what? Sometimes in our unwise living, in our unwise thinking, and sometimes even in our immaturity, we are walking and making a bed in hell. And we think, oh, because I made this mistake and because I made this bad decision and because I did this, God is nowhere around me. But David even says, even if I make my bed in hell, you are there. So a person that's there in the worst seasons of my life, I do not want to offend. The last thing, as um, they play some music behind me, that's that's why they're behind me. Play some music on the, on the computer. Last thing he says, Lord, lead me. It says this in Psalm twenty-three, verse one. It says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not lack nothing." We all know this, right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely... Surely, surely, goodness and mercy and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
says, even though I walk, it doesn't say that Jesus put me through it. He says, my decisions caused me to walk down this dark valley. And even though I make bad decisions, he's there. Even though I make bad decisions, he's there. Look what he says. When the Lord leads us, goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. Can I ask you a question? Is goodness and mercy following you right now? Is goodness and mercy following you? Because if Jesus is leading you, if Jesus is your shepherd, goodness, the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the love of God is going to follow you all the days of your life. Let's all stand tonight. I understand this could be a hard word, but it's a necessary word. It's like a it's like a COVID shot. I don't like it. But you know what I'm saying? Like the flu shot. So but I promise you that if we begin to pray, I'll pray, God, break me, God, search me, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. He just wants relationship. You know, some of us, we know religion. We know how to act like a Christian. We know how to, we know how to do all that. You know how to dress like a Christian. You know how to do all that. Nothing wrong with that. But do you have a relationship where you can ask God, do you trust Him enough where you can ask God, God, break me? God, search me. That if there's there anything, anything you find in me that's offensive, anything that you find inside of me that is contrary to your word, that is offending you, God, remove it. Can you say that? Because I promise you, he loves you that much that he will never hurt you. Whatever you have bowed, every eye closed. If you don't know Jesus, maybe you drifted away a little bit. It might be the reason why you are in the situation that you're in right now. Maybe Jesus is not your shepherd. All the stuff that I just said about Jesus leading you, that is only for somebody that has surrendered their life to him. That is not for somebody that has never surrendered their life to him. My friend, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, and even if you're watching at home or in your car, right now through the live stream, if you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, goodness and mercy will not follow all the days of your life. Chaos and heartache will follow. Tonight, you can change that. Tonight, you can say, God, you're my shepherd. No longer my shepherd. That's you real quick, even online. That's you just lift up your hands real quick. And see it. Praise God. Put your hands down. I want everybody to pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I realize that I have some false shepherds and that you have not been 
the chief shepherd in my life. So tonight I surrender and I give my life to you. Jesus, search me. Jesus, break me. See if there's any offense in me. So that you can lead me to everlasting life. Jesus, I'm trying. But I need your help. I need your help. I need your wisdom. So I let go. So that you can take over. You say this in your name. Father, I come before you right now and I pray for every single person here tonight and those that pray that online. Pray, God, that you would touch them right now. I pray that even now, God, that you would begin to break lies, that you would begin to break addictions, that you would begin to break, God, anything, anything that is contrary to you. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would touch our hearts and that you would begin to fill people's lives with goodness and then they will begin to realize your mercy and then they will begin to realize your love lord i pray right now that you will move in jesus name i pray amen amen come on give jesus some praise you may be seated